Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Today we are looking at, we are going to now start looking, beginning from today, we start looking at each of those fruits and see how they affect our life. And today we are looking at the very first one, and we call it the challenge of love. The challenge of love. And we're looking at the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, reading from verse number 22. Galatians 5, reading from verse number 22. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then he round up that verse by saying, against such, there is no law. In other words, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, thou shalt not love your enemy, thou shalt not love your friend, or thou shalt not love your neighbor. Nobody can make that kind of law. Nobody can make a law and say, you, should, you must not be happy today. Nobody makes a law and says that peace must, be, peace must be far from you, or you cannot, you know, you must not be kind to your fellow neighbors. Nobody makes that kind of a law. Because if you do, people look at you as something is wrong with your head. Or you probably need to visit Clover Bottom when you are doing this kind of laws. The idea is that you cannot make laws against the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot make any law against love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kind, goodness, gentleness, and all this kind of thing. You don't make laws against them. That's why some people have come up with a clever word. They say you cannot legislate against, or you cannot legislate morality. In other words, when people are good, they are good. There's nothing you can do about it. So, if we take a closer look at this, verses of, of this verse of scripture that we've just read, you will notice that that list of that, the components of the fruit of the Spirit, that component starts with a very, very important element, and that is the element of love. You see, it all starts with love. The question is, why is it starting with love? Why is it starting? Why is the fruit of the Spirit starting with love? It's starting with love because love is the foundation of all that is godly. Yeah. Love is the foundation of all that God does. Love is the foundation, is what motivates the actions of the Almighty God. Love is the central character of God. You will look at those of us who are already Christians, those of us who have been born again. You will notice that the salvation that you and I enjoy today is motivated or predicated upon love. The Bible tells in the book of John chapter, you know, John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, the the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, the redemption of our soul, everything that we enjoy today as being Christian started because God so loved the world. Okay? It all started started because of love. The Bible says that he he who does not love does not know God. That is John chapter first John chapter four verse eight. He who does not love, he who does not love, does not know God. In other words, what we are saying is that love is the essence and the nature of God, and it is that particular nature that we tap into as Christian. 
it is that particular nature that produces the fruit in our life. Because as soon as you are connected to God, as soon as you are connected to the Spirit, the Spirit of God begins to flow through you. The nature of God begins to flow into your life. The essence of God, you begin to partake of it. And before you know what's happening, you begin to move, you begin to act and begin to reveal the character of the Almighty God. Love is the essence and the nature of Christ. And that is what we are partakers of. So what is this thing called love? What is this thing called love? The love that we refer to in, in, in Galatians chapter 5 is not the natural love that is exhibited by people. Okay? It is not the natural love that is exhibited by man. This is the love that is spiritual. It is the God kind of love, which is a direct result of being a partaker with his divine nature when you are born again. The Bible says that when we are born again, we receive the spirit of the almighty God. And that particular spirit is the image, the very image of God. The love of God is birthed in our heart. And that is what uh, Paul the Apostle was talking about in the book of Galatians. And that is the kind of love he wants you to exhibit. It is easy for me to love the people who love me. Very easy. Very easy to love my family members. Very easy to love my extended family. Very easy to love my boss if he gives me a good uh, evaluation during the time of promotion. Very easy to love my boss when he gives me a good, you know, when he gives me a good raise. But it is extremely difficult to love somebody who is just a pain in your neck. Yeah. It's a very difficult thing. It's even, sometimes it's very, very impossible to love even people who we relate to on a daily basis. There are some people you just wish that they can just go and jump in the lagoon, you know, because of the fact that the way they act and their character, it is difficult to love. So what is this thing that we call love? Okay, then I will say, the love that we talk about is the love that God himself birthed upon our heart when we become born again. Now, there are four words, many of us have heard this before, so I'm not going to dwell too much on it, but there are four words in the Greek that are translated into love. One of them is referred to as eros. Okay, eros, which is not used, in, it's not found anywhere in the New Testament, but it's a conditional type of love. A conditional type of love that derives its attractiveness from the other person. Okay? In other words, you love that person because that person is attractive. And that's why you see a, guy, a young man go to a young, a, go to a young girl and say, I love you. But I, basically what he's saying is not love in the essence of God. He's talking about eros. Okay? It's a love of passion. It's a love that is emotionally involved based on what we refer to as body chemistry. You see, oh, there's, a, there's a chemistry between the two of them. There's a connection between, between the two of them. And that is the kind of love we're talking about when we talk about eros. Okay? The basic idea idea of this love is self-satisfaction. It is love that comes, that derives benefit. The foundation of this type of love is that it is, you know, it is it is based on the fact that if I'm able to get something from you, I love you. If I'm not able to get anything from you, sorry. <laughs> Better luck next time. You know, Eros looks for what it can receive. It does not give if it is not ready to, if it, if it cannot benefit from it. If there is no benefit in that relationship, there is no Eros. Okay? If there's no benefit, it fails when it does not get what it wants. When it does not receive what it's expecting, that particular love breaks down. And that is why you see, I mean, if you don't, it's, it's like pre-quo, pre, pre-quo, uh, uh, pre-quo pro, that you do something for me, I do something for you. You know, things like that. That is that, that is the basis of that kind of, uh, of that kind of, of that kind of love. When you are talking about the love in the scripture, this is not what God is describing. God is not giving you something because he wants to get something back. No. God is giving you unconditional love. Number two love that is described. Number two word that is used for love in the, in, the, in, the, in the Greek is what is called stoge. Stoge is referred to as a love based on relationship or obligation. Okay? 
love based on relationship or obligation. It is a love and affection that naturally occurs between a father and a mother, between a father and a child, a mother and his daughter. It's a relationship based love. It can exist also between siblings. It can exist between a, a husband and a wife. It can exist between people who are in relationship, people in the family. That is that particular kind of love. It is quiet. It is abiding. It's a feeling that a man, you know, it's a feeling within a man that rests on something close to him and that he feels good about it's an obligatory kind of love this is my child i love my child it's just natural okay it's not because of what that child has done it's just because of the fact there is a relationship there's an obligation you are obligated to love your family member now it is not always true but there's that particular you know there's that there's that relationship there and that's what paul the apostle was saying in the book of romans chapter 12 romans chapter 12 in verse number 10 he said be kindly affectionate one towards another with brotherly love in honoring, giving preference one to another. There is a love that happens between brothers. There's a love that happens between siblings. There's a love that is based on relationship, based on what? Based on uh, obligation. Now, the next one that we find in the Bible is also referred to as filio. Filio is the third type of word used to describe love. And filio is more of a companionship. A companionship kind of love. A love among friends. Love among friends. This love speaks of affection. It speaks about fondness. It speaks about love, uh, liking somebody. It is a kind of a, a kind of love that responds to kindness and appreciation between two people who are closely related. You know, who are who are who are in, who are in a kind of companionship. It's a it's a love of friendship. Okay. The word filio implies a strong emotional connection, and thus it is used for to describe the relationship between two people who are in a friendly relationship it involves giving as well as receiving but the problem with filio is that when that particular relationship is strained the friendship and the giving breaks down and that is why you see friends who fall apart because when one is pulling too much from the when one 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 of the relationship one of the friends is pulling too much from that relationship the other person may not have the capacity to keep giving and so it breaks up so it has the capacity to give it has the capacity to receive but when it is under too much crisis it breaks up so that is the kind of law and the fourth one that is referred to is the one that the bible talks about most of the time and that is the one that is referred to is called agape love agape is the greek word that refers to the love of god agape is the very nature of god because the bible tells us that god himself is love the big way you know to, to understand agape is to realize that it's done, it is what, it's a love that prompts action. That's why we read the book, of, we referred to it a few minutes ago in John chapter 3 verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave. Agape love always prompts action. In other words, it always prompts the other person to do something. It prompts the person who is who is exhibiting that love to be able to obey, to be able to you know to, to be able to do something for the other person. It's a love that is based, you know, that prompts action. Agape love is what it does. It's not just because of feels. Agape love always does something. In other words, it always puts itself out there. It always takes itself out of its comfort zone and puts itself out there. It's a love that acts. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It does not feel good for God to go and die on the cross. It doesn't feel good for someone to put nails in your hand. It doesn't feel good for someone to continue to whip you. But because of the love of God that was in Christ, he was willing to do that, to demonstrate that you mean more to him than you can ever imagine. The point is that agape love is not simply an impulse generated by feelings. 
which is what Eros is. Eros is an impulse of feeling. You look at this guy and say, man, this is one beautiful human being. And that's what happened. All the hormones start running, you know, start running in different directions, and then you start declaring, I love you, I love you, I love you. But this one is not simply an impulse generated. Rather, agape love is the exercise of the will. A deliberate choice. That is why God can, that is why God can command you to love your enemy, because it's a choice. Love is a choice. Yes, it is. You make up your mind that you are going to love somebody. Yeah. You make up your mind to love somebody, not just because that person is doing you good, but because you have decided to do so. That is what God did for us. Yeah. Okay, Agape love is related to obedience and commitment. Okay, It is obedience. When God says, love your enemies, He is not telling you that you, you don't have a choice if you want to obey that law. You obey because it's a decision of the will. Okay, Love is a decision of the will. Then how then do you how then do you demonstrate that you have the agape love? How do you demonstrate it? John chapter 14. I want to start reading from verse number 21. John 14, reading from verse number 21. The Bible says that he who has my commandment and keeps them is he that loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. But the main thing is this. How do you know that you have the love of God? It is when you keep his commandment. In other words, there are instructions that God has given to us in the manual, which is the Bible. He has given us a very clear instruction. And those instructions are written there for the purpose of you obeying them. If you want to demonstrate your love, if you want to demonstrate that the agape love is working in our life, that is when you begin to obey. When the Spirit of God tells you, wake up at night and pray for such a person, you get up and you do it. When the Spirit of Lord prompts you, you're walking down the street, and the Spirit of Lord prompts you and says, give this particular person somebody, or give this person a ride, or do something for this, or do something for that. That is you, if you obey at that point, that is you demonstrating the love of God. Because you don't have to be related to that person. You don't have to know the condition of that person. You don't have to understand all the all the all the intricacies of what is going on in the life of that individual. What you are doing is that you are hearing the voice of the Almighty God and you are obeying. So the love of God, how we know that we demonstrate his love is when we keep his commandment. And if you look at verse 24 of that same John chapter 14. Verse 24, John, John chapter 14. The Bible tells us, the peak gives us a picture of those who are not demonstrating the love of God. And if you look at that verse of the scripture, the Bible says, He who does not love me does not keep my commandments. Simple. In other words, the Lord gives you instruction. You are driving down the road, he says, stop and do something for that woman that is walking on the side of the road. So, uh, that woman that is walking on the side of the road, it's because of her carelessness, it's because she's lazy, that's why she's walking on the road, that's why she cannot afford a car. And then you drive along. That is pure disobedience because you heard the voice of the Lord telling you to do something and you refuse to do it. At that point in time, you are not demonstrating the love of God. Okay? So, who is it that does not demonstrate? He who does not love me does not keep my word. In other words, the Spirit is telling you, giving you clear instruction and you simply obey or you simply ignore or disobey or delay in obedience. I'll do it tomorrow or I'll do it when I'm convenient. That is simple disobedience. So, he who does not love me does not keep my commandment. Agape love keeps on loving even when the one that is loved is unresponsive. That is the love of God. And that is a typical example of what happens to us as individuals. The Lord keeps telling you, I love you. I want you to live a life that is glorifying my name. He said, God, I will take care of it by the time I grow to be 60. 
I'll take care of it by the time I become 70. Right now, I'm a very young man. I need to enjoy myself. That is, the love of God keeps on giving, even when the person that is being loved does not respond to that love. Okay? Even when that person is unkind to you when you show it. Even when that person is unlovable. Even when that person is unworthy of your love, it is an unconditional love. And that is why in the scriptures of all the love words that we talked about, this particular agape love was referred to in the scripture 320 times. Different occasion. That tells you God expects us as his image here on earth to be able to exhibit that particular love. So when we read Galatians chapter 5 and we see the fruit of the spirit is love. We are talking about the agape love. We are referring to the love, the love of God. We are referring to the things that, you know, referring to the to the very image of God expressed through us expressed through the people who have been connected to him so when the apostle when Paul the apostle is talking about love uh, talking about love being the fruit of the spirit what kind of love is he talking about what kind of love is he talking about Paul is talking about the kind of love the kind of love that loves its enemy Paul is talking about the kind of love that is unchanging Paul is talking about the kind of love that is sacrificial He's talking about the kind of love that is disciplinary. He's talking about the love, the kind of love that is uniting. What do I mean by a disciplinary love? If you love somebody and that person decides to start walking on the top of, you know where the Batman's tower is in downtown. And that person is moving very close to the edge of that tower and is about to fall off. Because you love that person, do you keep quiet? No. no. You will grab that individual and act like a true African human being. And you put it! Come back here. You want to kill yourself? That is the way you show your love. So it's a love that discipline. When somebody you love is acting in a, you know, acting, uh, acting like a fool, that is when you call that person and bring that person to, you know, bring that person to the place where they come to their senses. It's a love that disciplines. It's a love that is sacrificial. It's a love that is uniting. It's a love that is that is unconditional. It's a love that is always there. A love that is unchanging. Regardless of what you do, you continue to love that person. Okay, it's a love that is unchanging. Okay, the problem is that the is that a law is is that people do not understand even within the church, people do not know this kind of love, and they confuse this particular love of God for so many other things. The question is, why do they confuse this love? Why do people confuse the word love and use it to mean so many other things? If you want to see people, especially nowadays, if you want to see kids manipulate their parents, they say you don't love me anymore. Basically, what that kid is saying is that you don't want me to have my way. That's basically what he's saying. If they want to manipulate you, they say, oh, you don't love me anymore. But what are they doing? Why do they say that? It's because, number one, they have mistaken the three words or the four words that we have described for love. They mistake eros. They mistake stoge. They mistake phileo for agape. Your emotional entanglement is not necessarily love. The love you had for your children is not the same thing as the love that God has for you. The friends, the, the relationship you have with your friend is not the same thing as the love of God that he wants you to demonstrate. So when there is a mistake between Eros, Toge, and Phileo, people do not understand the real nature of love, even within the church. When people understand, when people misunderstand the true nature of love, what happens is that it is bound to be abused. When people do not understand the meaning of love, they mistake love for indulgence. In other words, because you love me, you allow me to do whatever I want. Because you love me, you allow me to have my way in every situation. That is not the definition of love. Even God that showed the love for him, for us, that went to the cross to die for us, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord is so pure that he cannot behold iniquity. In other words, when you misbehave, God will discipline you. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. But that, does that mean that God doesn't love us? No! no. 
It simply means that I love you too much. I will not allow you to act like a fool. That's basically what it means. So when people don't understand love, they mistake love to mean indulgence. When people don't understand love, they begin to see love as something else that God does not, you know, that that, that does not really reflect the true nature of God. Okay? To better understand love, we must first understand what love is not. If you want to understand what true love is, you must first of all understand what true love is not. Mm-hmm. True love is not a feeling. It might have feelings, it might exhibit feelings, it might show feelings, but true love is not feeling. Right. Because your feelings are unstable. Your feelings are what? Depending on the time of the month, you can be very high or very low. It all depends. Your feelings are unstable. So true love is not feeling. True love is not indulgence. It may indulge the one that it loves. It may indulge the one that it loves and say, okay, I will spoil you. But that is not true love. True love is not indulgence. True love is not unquestionable tolerance. Unquestionable tolerance when your kids are misbehaving or your loved ones are misbehaving. You say, oh, no, let them just have their way. Kids will be kids. True love is not, on the, true love is not unquestionable to, uh, tolerance. At one point in time, you have to draw the line. And that's what God does. He calls you and he said, you my child. I'm giving, he said, I'll give you life and death. Choose life. He encourages you to behave in a more responsive way. So true love is not unquestionable, uh, unquestionable tolerance. True love does not disregard the truth. It does not encourage people lying. True love does not, does not disregard truth. True love does not lack accountability. In other words, you have to be accountable. You have to be able to stand and say, okay, your word, your word must be your bond. True love is not lack of accountability. True love is not lack of discipline. Because God disciplines his own children. True love does not, inv- it does not ignore obvious facts. Somebody is living a life that is, that is injurious to himself and to the people around him. And because we say we love them, we don't want to say anything. And this particular problem is very, very prevalent in the church. Anytime you bring up the behavior of somebody and they don't like it, they say, oh, you are judging. And the Bible says we should not judge. Who told you the Bible says we should not judge? That's right. The Bible never said we should not judge. What the Bible is against is what is called hypocrisy. In other words, you are doing the same thing and you are accusing or you are chastising another person for doing exactly the same thing that you are doing. That's what the Bible is against. The Bible is not against you judging the other person. Because the Bible tells us that we are going to be judging the angels. And if you are going to be judging the angels, how can you not talk to each other? That was when Paul was talking to the Corinthian church. When people are misbehaving the church, say, judge, does this thing look good to you? The same thing. When we're talking about the issue of law, accountability, the, 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 the love does not ignore obvious facts. So in the body of Christ, if we are going to demonstrate love, we must be able to call our sisters, call our brother, call ourselves and say, what we are doing is not good. Mm. You're sleeping with another man's wife, you're an adulterer. Simple. Okay? You don't, you are telling what is not true. You are a liar. Simple. What is not true, what is not good, is not good. Don't give it another name. But the problem that we now find in our society is that we have redefined words. Mm-hmm. That the point that they are no longer meaningful. Mm-hmm. Words no longer have any meaning again because people now use it to be able to justify their stand. But if we truly love ourselves, if we truly love God, if we are going to demonstrate the love of God, we cannot, we must not disregard truth because love never disregards the truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we see how Paul the Apostle described what true love is. Mm -hmm. The agape kind of love. Paul the Apostle said, reading from verse number 4, he said, love suffers long. Love is kind. 
Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Does not provoke. Does not think evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Does not rejoice, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes in all things. It endures all things. Now, some have taken this particular verse of the scripture. They've taken this verse of the scripture to mean that love is blind. Love is foolish. And love is delusional. Okay? That is what basically the interpretation that people have given to this thing. Because if love can endure all things, it means love is an idiot. If love can, you know, if love tolerates, you know, if love will bear all things, if love does not rejoice in iniquity, if love is, does not envy, it means love is just a pure moron. Okay? People have seen that. They've seen love to be blind, foolish, and delusional. Okay? And the listing in that particular you know, First Corinthians chapter 13 does not mean that love is indulgent. It does not mean that love is or love has unquestionable tolerance. It does not mean that love disregards the truth. It does not mean that love does not have accountability. It does not mean that love does not have discipline. It does not mean that love or, 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 uh, ignores obvious fact. It doesn't mean that. What it simply means is that though you are imperfect, though you are flawed, though you have your own faults, though you have your own mistakes, Though you have all the issues going on in your life, love is aware of all these things that is imperfect in your life and love still loves you anyway. That is the basic meaning of that. In other words, regardless of what you are going through, regardless of what the mistakes you have made in the past, regardless of the condition of your state in life, God, the Bible is telling us that regardless of all that, God still loves you anyway. It doesn't mean that he's ignoring those things. It doesn't mean that he doesn't see those things. It doesn't mean that he doesn't acknowledge those things. It simply means that I see this thing, yet I love you. I see that you make mistakes, yes, I love you. I know that you are falling, I still love you. I know that you are not standing up, I still love you. I know the condition that you are in, but I still love you. And this is demonstrated in the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. If you read from verse number 7, Romans chapter 5. Reading from verse number 7. The Bible tells us there. It says, for scarcely for a man, for a righteous man, will one die. Yet, perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Because he's a good man. You even dare to die. But God, look at verse number 8. But God demonstrated his love, his own love towards us. That in that while we were still sinners, he knew that you are still sinners. He know that I'm still sinners. He know that we are inconsistent. He knows that we continue to do the things that he asked us not to do. The Bible says, but while we were yet still still sinners, Christ died for us. Does it mean God is delusional? Does it mean God doesn't know what he's doing? Does it mean he cannot see us? Does it mean that he doesn't know that you are weak or that, that I'm weak, that we are frail, that we have faults? No. God is not in denial. God is not delusional. God is not ignoring the fact. But God chose to love you. God chose to love me. And he chose to die for us. That is what love is all about. Love is a decision of the will. And God demonstrated that, demonstrated that decision of the will by loving us. God loved us even when he knew we are unlovable. He loved us even when he had no reason to love us. Yes. And that is what love is all about. That is, what, that is the kind of love that Paul the Apostle was describing. That was why Christ urged us to, to show love, not just to the people who are around us, but to the people who are completely opposed, even to our way of life. Okay, 
That was why he did Because he knew that his, the spirit that is within us is able to do it. Yes. Now, how then do we show this love? How do we show this love? Matthew 22. Matthew chapter 22. I want you to start reading from verse number 37. How do you show this love? Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. And if you read from verse 39, the Bible says, the second is like it, is like it's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophets. In other words, anything you do in the body of Christ, anything you do as a believer, anything you do when you are born again, hangs on these two things. Love God with all your might and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Now, it is a very, very simple two statement. Very simple, but extremely difficult to practice. Extremely difficult. Even to love God with all your mind is extremely difficult. And the thing is that many of us fail to obey the second part. Why? Why do we fail to obey the second part? I'll give you a couple of reasons. The first one is that nobody wants, we fear that somebody is going to take advantage of us. As soon as you start showing love, what happens? People look at you as being weak. And they start taking advantage of you. Oh, he's a nice guy. Where I come from, if somebody calls you a nice guy, it's not a compliment. It's an insult. <laughs> because if they say this is a nice guy, it means that the guy is a complete fool. He's a moron. He can be taken advantage of. That's what it is. Oh, if you ever... Well, let's leave that one alone. The point is that... <laughs> the point is that people have difficulty obeying that part, love thy neighbor as thyself, because number one, nobody wants to be taken advantage of. Number two, because of the misconception of what love is all about. Number three is because we don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to expose yourself. Because as soon as you start showing love, all sorts of things start coming in. And before you know what's happening, you expose yourself. And nobody wants to be vulnerable. It do, nobody wants to appear weak. And that is why many of us have difficulty showing love to people, especially those who are closest to us. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. We invite you to join us for our monthly Fresh Encounter prayer conference every last Saturday of the month from 12 noon until 3 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.